So, before we were recording, yeah. I'd right. hit the, the Zoom link that you sent yeah. to mm-hmm. be part of the call. Realised yeah. I had to grab something, because I'm going to be talking about something I quote-unquote played, um, called a Bitsy, and it makes noise, um, etc. Uh, so I went to grab that. Now... I don't know where I got this idea in my head, but I'd left the headphones on the floor and was halfway stepping over them. And I was already in the call. I could hear you through them. I'd stepped over them, then went out of my way to stop stepping over them because I don't have underwear on at the moment and I didn't want your ears to look up my skirt. Reasonable. I understand. Yeah, your ears and voices <laughs> might have looked up my skirt, so I stepped round. I don't know where that thought came from, but I thought it was an amusing way to start the podcast today. Uh, I've I've got an amusing thing for the start of the show today as well. Yeah, I, I got I got a rare. I've got I've got a little life update to share with All the right. podcast. I have officially been told I'm not allowed any more COVID vaccines. I'm having too many of them. I we warned you about, you about this. this. <laughs> You've got a problem. Yeah. You're, you're a vaccine so, fiend. <laughs> so here's like the short version. Because I did a vaccine trial like early on mm-hmm. for the COVID stuff, I'm on like an email where I occasionally just get emailed about other clinical trials happening. And I have a look through it every now and then. And I'm like, is there a thing where I'm like, hell yeah, inject me with whatever it is for money that you've, you know, you're interested in injecting me with. Gotta make a living. And... Yeah, and I I don't know if I've made this clear on the podcast. I'm up to, I think, seven COVID vaccines at this point. Because I had, like, what was it, two during the trial. And then they weren't being registered by, like, the NHS's app, so I couldn't, like, travel because they, they didn't recognise me as vaccinated. So they told me to go get vaccinated like a normal person. So I went and got two more. And then I went and got a booster and then a booster on top of that or whatever it was at some point. So I'm up to, like, six or seven. But I saw a COVID trial was going, and they were like, the only conditions, you've not had COVID recently, you know, you've not been vaccinated recently, you fit these criteria, and I looked through and I was like, there's nothing that says I can't. Give me more vaccination. I really don't want to get COVID if I can help it. Getting paid to have less chance of COVID is a great idea. And I got through, like, all of the screening things, and they were like, cool, we just need, like, the dates of vaccines and what vaccines you had. And I, I go through and I list them all, and this woman goes, I'm gonna have to talk to my supervisor, <laughs> because I have a number in front of me, and I don't know whether reaching this number or going over this number means I have to say you can't be in the trial, but you've reached the number we've determined is too many vaccines. And, like, I need to know whether we can vaccinate, like, whether we can give you one more or we're just like, no, you hit, you hit the number, that's it, you're out, no more, no more mysterious science vaccines for you today. So, they won't let me level my autism up any higher and I'm upset about it. You maxed. tell you when I've had enough, you say as you smack a kidney dish onto the, onto the floor. Right, like, what's the worst that's gonna happen? I get even more vaccinated, like... Vaccines are medicine. You too more too much medicine. That's how could that be a bad thing? I mean, it's like it's dead viruses, isn't it? Yeah. So 
I maybe they worried at one point you will be like a walking COVID mausoleum, and then like a very tiny tarnished will like try and <laughs> slay you on their quest for the Elden Ring. Because that is the kind of thing that would be in it. Yeah. Some sort yeah. of walking mausoleum for dead viruses. That's you. That is me. It's you. And I wanted to be even more of one, but you'll they get won't the scarlet let me. rot. I'm not allowed to become like a, one of the. I'm not allowed to become an Elden Ring boss that when you defeat me, I spray out dead COVID vaccine particles brilliant. at you. That would be brilliant. I'm yeah. sad that I, I'm sad for you that you cannot have that. It's been bad luck for me recently trying to get on like intra getting getting on more more, more clinical trials. I I almost got on one where I'd have just done shrooms for science to um to find out about like hey autism how does that interact let's look at your brain while you do shrooms but apparently being on hrt as a trans person it interacts with one receptor that also mushrooms do so they're like nah we can't can't do that one and i was like i nearly i nearly got on the one where they just give give me drugs for science wow it's unfair let me have drugs for science I want to help you learn what drugs do for science. Yeah. Like, surely there's some, like, unethical <laughs> enough doctor out there that wants to see what happens. Wants to see what kind of, like, creature will emerge. Contact the CIA. Um, I, I know they've yeah. got someone. <laughs> Just be like, I've got a willingness to be full of dead yeah. viruses and have weapons-grade autism. Shoot me up. Not that way. Like, I know what you CIA go guys are like. Like, I mean yeah. with syringes, please. Oh, they're into um, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, uh, they're into all sorts of drugs, you know, trialling them, trafficking them, whatever. It's the CIA. It's it's a fucking party over there. Um, that's yeah. their unofficial uh, motto. The CIA. It's a fucking party. Well, that is actually uh, the uh, Weird Al Yankovic parody of uh, Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Oh, Party in the CIA. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. it's fun. There's a there's some some talk of toppling regimes and mm -hmm. assassinating yeah. you know people. It's uh, classy. Yeah, I like it. I've yeah. not heard that one. It's fun. That that it's, sounds. Fun. It's it's from I think it's from the same album that had um, uh, Royals, but instead it was about wearing aluminum foil hats to keep the the government out of your yep. brain. Of course it was. Yep. Yeah. Oh, lovely bloke. Yeah. Lovely bloke, right. strange Alan. Um, yeah. Big big <laughs> fan. Um, before we get cracking on the games. Mm. Uh, I would like to just um, thank everyone who turned up Sunday night for um, an evening with Commander Sterling, one of Mark Adams's uh, ring announcer, friend of mine, um, one of his evening with events uh, in Manchester. Utterly lovely night. Got fucking hammered. Um, woke up with 40 quid stuffed into my bra by um, <laughs> one of the attendees. Can't complain there. Had a lovely chat with an NB who kept staring at my tits and I kept staring at theirs and their partner, who was just as lovely, was staring at all four tits. Um, pleased with that result. Two free rock lords. A drawing uh, of Jonathan Holmes as Hornet Lad um, creeping out the bushes as I bend over to smell a flower uh, <laughs> while he's ready to uh, sting me up the arse with his stinger. 
his penis. Um, so that was good. <laughs> uh, that was the same um, NB what drew that. Uh, choke slammed people. Uh, we brought the crash mat to Manchester, which Phoenix did a, a wonderful job of, of hauling into the car. Mark insisted we drag it out into the car park. Uh, wouldn't listen to Reason. Wouldn't listen to Phoenix, a.k.a. Reason. I back bumped on it in the car park because I wasn't going to let anyone else do it. Plus, it made me feel like a proper professional who knew what they were talking about. And I was not going to choke slam anyone in the fucking car park because, like, my back ate concrete. Um, yeah. Like, the crash mat's yeah. good, but, like, without, with absolutely zero give under it, um, not so good. So we eventually was able to uh, get it dragged back into the bar, cleared some space. People lined up for their choke slams, um, which obviously just to allay concerns, you know, I am a trained professional. I was uh, I was not like giving us like full lifting them up, encouraging them to like fucking properly post and all of that. Like it was uh, they had fun. They did jumping. I guided them down. They landed on the crash mat. All all good fun. Um, fucking laugh. Um was still drunk the next morning and had forgotten to film for the gymquisition. So I had to film that uh, while juggling, uh, being both hungover and drunk. Uh, sign of a very good night. It was a very good night. Um, if you didn't attend, you you did miss out. Um, I know someone uh, who was there had didn't know it was happening and was idly scrolling by on Twitter and realised it was happening like down the street from them. And they've been following me since like the Destructoid days, which whenever anyone tells them that, like I instinctively tell them I'm so sorry. Right. Um, like that, that flinch that you, you yes. just reflexively do whenever yeah, oh, someone says, God. Oh, I've been reading you since Destructoid. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I yeah, know that well. Okay, can only apologize um for, <laughs> for that uh yeah just lovely and the 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 true grit show on saturday was really nice as well had some uh, nice fans to turn up queens of the space age uh got a really nice reaction um really good night just really good weekend and i thought it was going to yeah. be uh bad i i thought things would go not well and people wouldn't turn up or react or anything um so yeah, yeah, thank you. Plus I got a bitsy, uh, which I will talk about um, when we start talking about games. It's, yeah. it's just a Tamagotchi that's both more and less ambitious, uh, but we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, got, I've, I've got some video games to talk about today. You don't and, say. Like, there are two video games I have to talk about today. Mm. And like, look, I've been playing Pokemon Sleep. I want to talk about that in a minute, but like... More importantly, I do have to get to... Last week, I had just had a little mess around with The Last Hope Dead Zone Survival. And uh, since then, I have played that full game start to finish. And my god, fucking hell, I need to talk about it now that I have played the, the full thing. Um, First of all, to anyone listening who listened to the podcast last week and tried to look this game up to go check it out and couldn't find it. It seems to only exist on the UK eShop. It definitely isn't in the US. That might be the problem you're having. Um, thankfully, the, the Switch is region free. You can make a UK account without too much difficulty. It's not worth the fucking effort. Um, here's... Uh, there are two things I want to say about, about this generously described Last of Us knockoff. 
First of all, there is an eShop description for this game. It wants you to believe it is like a summary of some of the things that occur across the game. No, it's a fucking walkthrough. I'm going to read you the walkthrough of the game that is on the store page. Journey to the library to safe an innocent girl from Reckless Zombies. Head on to the pharmacy to secure vital medical supplies. Explore the police station to arm yourself with powerful weaponry. And venture into the dark depths of the metro tunnels where unexpected horrors await. Uh, that is the game. That That is that is the four objectives. That, yeah. That's the whole game. I mean, the game has, like, what? Like, because obviously after you told me about it, I immediately yeah. ran to the eShop to gleefully yeah. check How it out. How could you not? Yeah. Uh, it was only on the UK eShop. Uh, luckily, I yeah. did have a UK account that I'd set up. I say luckily, like it's really easy to set that shit up. And I've got like, you know, UK payment options and that since yeah. moving back. Um, but I already had an account like for when I set up the the new the, the 3DS I bought uh, not long ago. Got it. Was messaging you the whole time, Laura, while playing it. Mostly what the fuck is happening. Yeah, thankfully I'd finished it so I could occasionally be like, oh, you're at that fucking bit. Okay, let me give you some advice because you're going to fucking need it. Yeah, you were able to sort of uh, warn me about the points at which I could soft lock the game and have to start over again. There are several of them. Um, because like, here's, here's some fun facts. This game will routinely, when you make progress past certain points, just completely lock off your ability to turn back and like go back where you came from. And it does this pretty aggressively. But, as a result of that, you can entirely miss out on, like, critical items and just be impossible to get them. There is a melee weapon in the first uh, building in a corridor that you can just miss entirely. There is a gun you can get access to before the trunk of the police car, and we'll get to that in a minute. There is one point where you can get food to recover your hunger meter, and once you leave that location, you cannot go back to it, and that is bloody important. So, like, I'm going to talk about the first place that I had, like, a major, major soft lock on this and had to, like, completely restart a couple of times to work my way around, which is you leave the pharmacy and there is an objective, which is open that police car's boot and get out the guns and ammo out the back of it. And the problem is you have to do a lockpicking minigame. Oh, and time yeah. time so first of all the lock picking minigame is not fun you have to stop a moving thing when it's in a little range on a bar except there's so much fucking lag between pressing the button and the thing stopping like you have to preempt it by like half the length of the bar it's moving yeah on. and it's like it's ever so slightly off so like yeah it, it never you at first you're not it's, sure if you're just not pushing the button quick enough but it's it's never quite right. The amount of lag is inconsistent is the, is the problem. Yeah. Is that you can try and preempt it, but then it slightly changes how much you have to preempt. And you have to do it four times in a row successfully, or you have to start over. And during all of this, there are zombies around, and the game like doesn't pause while you're doing the lockpicking. But it also doesn't like if the zombies kill you while you're doing the lockpicking minigame, it doesn't tell you you're dead and like kill you. It lets you keep trying at the, the lockpicking minigame futilely. You complete the minigame, the minigame closes and you're dead. So there's a few things about getting through that. First of all, you realistically need the gun and the bat that you can entirely miss and you can't go back for to help you kill these zombies, but also you won't have enough ammo to shoot all the zombies to death. 
Uh, the game claims it has headshots. No, it fucking doesn't. So you will have to do some melee attacking to kill some of the zombies to safely open the boot of this, this vehicle. But every time you swing your bat, it takes up some of your hunger meter, which you can't go back and get food to recover that hunger meter, which means you have a limited number of uses of melee attacks before you can just never melee attack again. And that meter is used for things like sprinting. So if you have at any point up to this point in the game ever sprinted to just try and get somewhere a bit faster, I don't know, like if you ha if you got soft lock the first time you got there and are trying to run back there to do it again, you will just not be able to swing your melee weapon, meaning that this will be impossible. So you have to never use any of your stamina affecting things until this moment to have enough hunger left to do the melee attacks to get the guns out the boot. And my god, this section killed me. <sighs> the thing that truly offends me about it, though, is... Like, there's nothing this game particularly does that someone like me who made a career out of playing shit games on Steam hasn't seen before. I've seen... It's basically almost impossible to differentiate from an average asset flip. It stands out because it's on the Switch and it's positioned as a shameless ripoff of The Last of Us. But that last point is what offends me. As I wrote in my review on thegymquisition.com, it's not even a ripoff. It's a ripoff of a ripoff. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a fake ripoff. Because when you play it, it's just an asset flip. It doesn't actually, with its weird time travel shit, um, the only ways in which, and, and like just generic zombies, the only ways in which it rips off The Last of Us is with the character model of the girl that looks like Ellie and the artwork that's on the eShop. Yes, 100% agree. <laughs> this game is so lazy. It's counterfeiting the idea of a counterfeit to get free press, which obviously worked. We're talking about it here. It made yeah. lots of headlines. I reviewed it. It worked, but yeah. that doesn't make it any less offensive. No. Uh, no. There is being a lazy, unoriginal hack fuck, and there is being such a one that you're pretending to be an unoriginal lazy hack fuck when you're <laughs> actually several degrees lower than that. There is a reason this game has no credits and it's because whoever shat it out was at least smart enough to not attach their name. I wouldn't want my name attached to a game that the uh, the control scheme lists uh, this button is for weapons rather <laughs> than weapons or that could not remember the name of the fucking girl. Yes. She is routinely, <laughs> what is it... At, um, Amy and uh, Eva, uh, I think. Uh, Eva, 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 like that. Eva, Eva, and Eva. That's it. There it's we are. Eva and Eva. And f sometimes it'll be on screen at the same time. The the <laughs> speaker tag will say Eva, and sh she will say hi. My name's Eve. While the speaker tag says fucking Eva. Good lord. <sighs> I mean, the whole all of the written text is like word salads at points and we're in what, an era you, you now. don't want to hear about his daughter who is has yet to come oh, yet yeah. that bit where she <laughs> says her name is oh yes just like my yet to come daughter <laughs> um yeah like we're in an era now where increasingly people are gonna suspect shitty games and things like that of being like made by ai um 
this is one of those games where like if you told me at least the text was was ai generated i wouldn't find it hard to believe uh there's that door of course uh that says press e to open on the fucking switch yep (laughs) um i messaged laura about that one uh because i wasn't sure if there was a way to uh unlock it you know how much i tried to unlock that i plugged a usb keyboard into my switch's dock to see whether that (laughs) would do it like i tried to to interact with that nope it's nothing it's an asset that they forgot to delete a message off of. The only thing that really like stands out, if we take, if we divorce it from like what it did to get attention, the only thing that makes the actual shitty zombie game stand out is how the little like the game becomes after a couple minutes just like one of the worst shit escort missions you could hope to play. Yes, you're being followed by this four foot burden. Fucking, I've never escorted a more annoying character in a video game. She lets you get like several yards ahead before she follows, at which point she follows at a casual stroll. um, Well, casual jog, let's be fair, um, described in my review as a pace that could only be described as suicidal. If a zombie gets even a little (sighs) bit near her, she just stops and Mm. cowers while the zombie just mucks her. Yeah, so there's this whole section just after you finally unlock that boot where you've got to run to the police station, and there's limited ammo to do quite a lengthy run. What I eventually worked out was the only way I could make this doable was to run toward the police station with the camera completely facing, like, not where I was going so I could keep an eye on her, and only shooting and killing zombies that got close enough that she just went comatose and stopped moving. Like, if a zombie gets close enough that she stops moving, I'll kill it. Those are the only ones I have the ammo to kill. Yeah. And that's (sighs) it. Yeah, you have to guess, like, which zombies you actually need to kill. Um, But yeah, the... um... Just to return to the the bit that that st- that stands out, not for any good mm. reason. Um, this girl, like I say, takes ages to follow you, only ever follows you, and does so like miles behind you, except mm. for a bit oh near my, the end. Oh my god! About yes. twenty five minutes in, where I'm so I'm so glad that I'm not the only one who had this fucking experience. You're in a, Sorry, you're in a corridor. And there's a, a door that leads to a room that has, like, more zombies in it than you've seen in one interior place at once. Like, it's, like, fucking at least a dozen, possibly, like, ten zombies. Yeah. She suddenly runs in front of you, gets in the doorway, mm. blocking it, and cowers. Yeah, so here's how that moment went for me. Uh, I, side Sidetrack, I've got to talk about crafting the fucking Molotovs. <laughs> oh, yeah, S- yeah, so um, there is one moment in this game where there are some gas canisters and some some bo- some uh, things to make Molotovs. First of all, th- this is the only place in the game where those materials exist, but there's not an even number of them. There's not enough to make a whole number of Molotovs. Um, but here's how you make a Molotov. You pause the game, press R2 to go over to a different menu, and it says press Y to craft a Molotov, and you press Y, and nothing visibly happens to confirm that you've you've crafted one. There's no, like, visual feedback, no audio feedback. You then close the menu and wait about two seconds, and then the character sits down and starts making the Molotov. You have to press a button in the menu, then close the menu, then wait, and then it confirms that you pressed it right. 
So I make my Molotovs, I'm in the corridor, and it's very clear this is where the game wants me to use the Molotovs, because it is the one place in the game that, like, has a big group of enemies in one contained place like this. I throw the Molotov, and Eva fucking runs into the fire, stands around cowering in the fire, and then dies by having been set on fire. She does this on three separate attempts at getting through that corridor in a row. Every time I throw the Molotov, she waits until I've thrown the fucking Molotov and then runs into it and burns to death. And the game says, you dead. You dead. Oh, yeah, you dead. You dead. You dead. Truly, truly shit. It's and, and I was about to say truly remarkable. Um, which is just something I say when a game is like really, really shit, but that actually is untrue. It's not remarkable. That's the most offensive, insulting part of it. It's only remarkable because it had artwork that looked a bit like The Last of Us on the eShop. Outside of that, it is another shitty asset flip that is a dime a dozen on Steam and... I am genuinely offended by its existence um, for the simple fact that it had the sheer fucking temerity to pretend to be a lazy, shitty ripoff, and it wasn't even that good. It wasn't even good enough to be that. Steph, I have one one remaining question for you, yes. and this is about a feature that is listed <laughs> on the, uh, the the eShop page. And, you know, I could debate most of the things on this list. I, you know, I could argue I don't think there were immersive graphics or engaging gameplay mechanics. But I think the most egregious one on this list is meaningful choices. Now, even putting aside meaningful choices, can you think of a single choice this game had? Turn it off. I think that's the only right. that's the only choice that would actually mean something positive for your experience. Yeah. Is if you turned it off before like you reached the thrilling conclusion of walking across the room um and then getting dumped it back into the main menu um before the uh 30 minutes it takes to get there. Possibly including the uh, time it takes to replay from the beginning after you've soft locked yourself. Yeah. That, yeah, as far as actually in-game choices, no. Um, the only uh. way you can sort of... Um, well, I guess your choice to kill zombies in the zombie shooting game to the point where I... you run out because... I Is that a meaningful... Was soft-locking myself a meaningful choice? I mean, it meant a lot to your progress. It, it did not... have a big impact on the game. Did we mention, sorry, like, lack of working memory. Did we mention the fact that stamina never regenerates ever? I, I mean, I don't know if we, like, made a big enough point about it. Yeah, stamina never point. regenerates, with the exception of there is one food item in one supermarket that can regenerate your stamina once. Yeah, and you get three of them in that supermarket. And they restore. Do you? I, oh, I yeah. only ever seem to get one. Oh, well, I'm not surprised that, that <laughs> they just didn't load for you. Um, but yeah, I found three. Um, it's it's not enough. Like three won't 
Even I, three won't I, fully re- <laughs> refill a, an empty bar because they restore yeah. a piddling amount. Yeah. And that's it. Three. Well, let's just say with what we've learned from you, Laura, between one and three <laughs> will last, are meant to last uh, you the entire half an hour. Fuck yeah, it. so... Uh, that that game is soon going to be eight ninety nine. <laughs> Fuck off. Well, by that uh, point, the uh, like the novelty will have worn off. Like everyone's already yeah. sort of Look, been moving. For, on for a me. quid, I I got it for the cost of some of my Nintendo. Like you bought other games, here's your discount credit. You know, I got it for that. Oh yeah, I definitely I, used my coins I, on it. Yeah, I did a Twitch stream and I I got. I got a quid's worth out of it. A terrible, terrible quid's worth out of it. Uh, what about you, comrade? What you what you been what you been playing this week? Well, I I did finish Near Automata um, yeah. three times because Ooh. you have to. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a fourth ending that is like central that I haven't gotten around to yet, which is exactly what happened last time. I played Near Automata. I still haven't seen that other ending, apparently. Um, guys, it's it's great. Uh, when we spoke last, I had not yet cleared the first ending and gotten to play the you know other half of the game with the the hacking. And oh, that that's so nice. I really that's an entire other really good mechanic. Yeah, and. And it's it's so um, well suited to the structure of how they want this game to play in that you're mm. going to have to repeat a bunch of stuff. It's not just a different activity than the running around and slashing that you've done all game, which you can still do on some level if you want to in most cases. Mm. It's faster. It's just yes. faster. <laughs> and that yes. really takes a lot of the edge off of having to go and do the whole goddamn game again. It was really, it's just a masterstroke. Uh, so yeah, I, I find that, I found it to be just as, as interesting and, and, and miserable uh, in terms of, of how it left me feeling at the end of it, just sort of, you know, empty inside. I love that. I love that game. I I really don't have anything else to say about it, um, other than Pascal is so fucking tragic, and I, I, hate, I hate these people for making me feel. <laughs> uh, it's not Feelings. fair. Who said that was yeah, all right? Yeah, not acceptable. <laughs> um, no, great game. Please play it. I, I I said it last week, so I'm not gonna belabor it. But yeah, that that's most mostly what I played this week was was near. Uh, other other stuff this week. Can I talk about Pokemon Sleep? I don't even know what this is. So, Pokemon Sleep was announced like three years ago. And it's technically not still out. If anyone if anyone asks, I'm definitely in Canada or Australia or New Zealand right now, where the game is having a three-day beta. But Pokemon Sleep is the newest smartphone application for the Pokemon company to harvest and sell your data mm. in the guise of gameplay. And I, I use this 
fully, fully cognizant of that. It is a game in which you catch Pokemon by sleeping. Uh, sorry, what? It is a game that is trying to encourage healthy sleeping habits by gamifying getting a good night's sleep oh, yeah. as a way to go find Pokemon. Yes, I do just about remember them announcing that. Yeah, this was announced like during Nintendo's like batch of we're trying to make games that are part of encouraging healthy lifestyle in various ways. It seems like it's stylistically the the, the successor to when they wanted to make the vitality sensor. Um so here's the gist of how this thing works. Um you have a Snorlax that you are doing various gameplay elements with, and I'll get to those in a minute, to try and encourage a bunch of Pokemon to visit a little park by syncing up your sleep schedule and having a good night's sleep, and you attract Pokemon to your park based on the kind of night's sleep you had. Now, there are some fundamental things about this game that I need to get out of the way that are, um, I think, going to be barriers to mass adoption. Uh, the big one being... In order for this game to work, you have to uh, open open the app, open the game, have your phone plugged into the charger at the wall. You set you set what your bedtime on average you expect it to be. You go like, hey, usually I'm if in my case because of the hours I work, I'm like probably two a.m. somewhere between one thirty and two thirty. I'm probably gonna go to sleep. Uh, and the game will sort of give you bonus points for going to sleep in that range. And then when it's time for bed, you set your alarm for when you want to wake up and go, uh, if I happen to be in a cycle of light sleep, let's say 15 minutes before my alarm's due to go off, set my alarm off then so I can wake up when I'm, you know, not wrenched out of deep sleep. And then you put the phone, like, on your mattress, face down, without having, like, put the screen, like, not, you haven't locked your phone screen. The game doesn't work if you lock your phone screen. Uh, yeah. What? You have to leave the game running on your face down phone on your mattress with your screen running. But, now, the game does cause the, like, it will, like, turn your screen brightness down to, like, zero or, like, like it will turn the screen technically off. Yeah. So that you're not getting light showing. But your phone is not locked. The touchscreen would still work if you touched it. And your phone is, like, still running a game on your phone while you sleep. On your not locked phone. And that is... That's not ideal. No. I would no. say no. That is <laughs> that is not ideal. That's... Ooh. I mean, and, and I say that as someone who actually does put their phone face down on when they go to sleep every night because I go to sleep listening to uh, UFO and Nazi yeah. documentaries. So I am the same. Uh, me and Jane will go to sleep listening to a very gentle, calm podcast about American breakfast cereals. We'll just pop that on when we go to sleep. But, like, you lock your phone. Don't leave the touchscreen on and active there that's that's weird um so like the way that the game register like rewards you points and registers whether you've had a good night's sleep is it's using eight and a half hours sleep as the barometer of a good night and you are like percentage awarded on how close to that you got it's a little simplistic. Uh, there is no there is no way to tell the game i generally get less sleep than that um so i've had this running two nights uh, I got a score of 75 on the first night because I slept six and a half hours. 
The second night, I slept four and a half hours. I got a score of 53. This game is not going to like my sleeping patterns. Um, and then it gives you a whole little breakdown where it's like, hey, what percentage of my night was I, you know, in a dozing? Was I snoozing? Was I slumbering? At what points was that happening? Here's a recording of when I rolled over in the bed and it made a bit of a creaking sound. It was like, oh, that's a sound. We'll, we'll note that down. Um... I now know it takes me about 20 minutes to get to sleep. I, I was slumbering for maybe an hour last night. Um, I, it gave me a bunch of stats and then a bunch of Pokemon showed up and made judgments about the quality of my sleep. Really? So like, oh, well, you had you had like uh, this kind of night's sleep. You've got a fucking Wobbuffet showing up now. Wobbuffet is your sleep, your sleep demon. That's you, you slept. You slept like a Wobbuffet last night. I mean, don't read into it too much. You make a point there. Like <laughs> I, I have like the whole sleep paralysis, sleep demon shit, like and various other like mental illnesses that stop me sleeping. And I don't want to be shamed for that by a Pokemon. You, you don't want to be told you slept like a Wobbuffet with lipstick on last night. Yeah, yeah, that was your sleep style. Like, I mean. Some would argue I look like that when when I'm dolled up, but I do not need an app to tell me that. So, uh, well, my my I, wife has sleep apnea. Yeah, you know, she yeah. she uses a CPAP machine uh, at night, and you know it, it that she does not. You know, she wakes up in the middle of the night because the mask gets adjusted or whatever, and it's not her fault. You know, it's yeah. You you don't want a catalogue of exactly what times in the night, uh, you know, with recordings, the sleep apnea mask came off and had to be readjusted. Well, you, you actually do want that, but you don't want to send it to Niantic. You want to send it to a doctor. So, whether you believe it or not, the app, allegedly, the, 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 the recordings of, of you sleeping only stay on your device and are not part of the data that they're harvesting and selling. Sure. So you you alone have recordings of oh yeah that was me having a get oh it was two forty two that I had to adjust the mask, um and that is data you would have if that was useful. There is some more game to it like three times a day you can like make a little meal for your Snorlax and you can feed berries to your Pokemon and stuff. Now this is not a good game in terms of like mechanics or any of the things I've said here. I cannot deny the fact that it's been kind of nice to have an app that has done the like wake me up when I'm in a light part of sleep anyway thing. Mm -hmm. It has I have woken up feeling a little less wrenched out of sleep the last couple of mornings using it. And also as someone that likes Pokemon there is something and I, I recognize this is like my terrible capitalism rotted brain here but like it was nice to wake up and there was like, oh, there's a sleepy little Mareep there. I, d I, had a, I had a sleep and now there's a little Mareep doing a kind of sleep. And uh, okay, that's actually kind of sweet. I, I got like five minutes of Pokemon because I, I went to bed on time. Good, good for me. I'm baffled by this thing's existence, but like, I'm, I'm going to keep using it. Despite the knowledge that like I, I am being data farmed. It's been kind of nice to have a thing keeping me accountable to like actually remember to go to bed mm. and waking me up at a time where I am in a light phase of sleep 
and also there's some Pokemon in the morning and maybe there'll be a shiny. And I'm like, you know what? There are there are worse things I can have on my phone. Yeah. I, so yeah. yeah. It's weirdly found a place in my life the last couple of nights, despite being a very transparent way to harvest sleep data. Huh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. It's not for either of you, but, you. but yeah. I, 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 I haven't, I haven't disliked having it. I'm glad that you got something out of it. Yeah, and I do yeah. really recognize the the value of that. Um, yeah. Linda was off work all last week, and as a result, we just sort of stopped adhering to as close a sleeping schedule yeah. as we had been. We wound up going yeah. to bed hours later than usual. I woke up hours late a couple of days. That that I didn't realize having spent the first half of my half plus of my life, like three quarters of my life as a night owl. I didn't mm. realize how much I have adjusted to and appreciate being up relatively early in the morning. I'm mm. more productive than I, you know, and um it's been really, really frustrating yeah. uh, to not be that way. So have I can definitely see the the merit there. Yeah, the the, the and like look, I've used this for two nights. It's it would be a while before I'd have a sense of like you know whether this actually sticks. But like the place that this feels like it could definitely have in my life is I have ADHD and I tend toward just like staying up really fucking late and like forgetting to pay attention to the time and just like get myself to go the fuck to bed. And I also am bad at recognizing that, like, I know on paper the work schedule I have means that I don't get as much sleep as I would do. If, if I didn't have to set an alarm, uh, my body wants more sleep than I am giving it. And that is a regular occurrence, and I recognize that. But it is a different thing to have a little reminder going, hey, it is coming up to 2, 2 a.m. and, like, Hey, dopamine will give you slightly boosted odds at a uh, Pokemon you like that might be a shiny comer showing up if you if you get a bed on time. Like, I'm a little dopamine fiend. If you give me a better chance at Pokemon showing up, yeah, I'll go. I'll I'll have a good. I'll be well behaved and go to bed before two thirty in the morning. Having a number that I wake up and like, you know, I actually have to think about the fact that like, oh yeah, no, the. The most sleep I've had so far this week was, like, six hours, and that's probably, you know, I should probably catch it, like, have a little bit of a longer sleep at some point this week if I can time it. That's not bad info for me to have. And it's not bad to give me a little bit of dopamine to encourage me to, like, you know, maybe maybe let myself have a bit more sleep every now and then. Yeah. What about you, Steph? What you played this week? Right. On the way home from True Grit on Saturday night... It was like 11 or something, like close to midnight. There was a Tesco open. I needed some drink and everything. Um, battered, chronic pain was terrible this weekend. Was limping around. Um, desperately wanted to go home, wanted to get a drink and just get back in the car. So obviously I wandered into the toy section and yeah. found this thing. It's called a Bitsy, B-I-T-Z-E-E. It's basically a Tamagotchi with a gimmick. Now, I like my virtual pets, so I was quite curious. The gimmick is, right, it's the first virtual pet you can actually touch. Oh, I thought that was Jonathan, but apparently (laughs) it's this. Um, So it's... It doesn't look like your usual virtual pet. 
it opens up. It's more like a box that you'd put a ring in, like a like a one of they, yeah. It's exactly like that. One of those. It even feels like it with that slight bit of resistance when you open the lid. The kind of thing you'd expect to find an engagement ring in or something. You open it up, and by touch, what they mean is it gives the appearance of the virtual pet, whether it's a cat or a dog or whatever. Um, it almost looks like a hologram. And it's kind of a really cool effect. In this box, there's this... It's flat, but it's it almost looks like it's uh, broadcasting up from the bottom. It's not. What it is, is there's a flat little flap that flaps really quickly up and down. And has, like, lights on its edges. Uh, which draws an image of the animal. And you press the flap down, push it down to, like, pet it. And you can, like, um, hold the thing upside down. Um, or, like, different directions. And it will make the animal move in those different directions. Like, if you hold it on its side, they'll, like, tumble off quote-unquote screen and then just scurry back um it's a very cute idea um i kind of like i love it as a gimmick it's only held back by the fact it's not got a lot going on after that you can feed it you can pet it and you can do these little gimmicks like rolling it around in that every now and then it'll text you and it'll have some poo to clean up or it'll ask for food or ask to be pet but it only seems to work when it's open. So it's not like a proper Tamagotchi where you've got to actually care for it. So once you open it, there's not a lot to do. Uh, it tries to mitigate that by having 15 animals that you collect and care for all at once. And you get those by evolving the animal you start with. It starts as a little animal, then there's a bigger animal, then has a third evolution where it's got some little gimmick to it like the cat evolves and starts wearing a dancing outfit the snail evolves until it's in a little race car which is cute the final evolution has a really bad mini game attached like the dog which turns into an astronaut it has like a flappy bird kind of game but because it's this small little projection with um like a furry touchpad thing it's not very responsive. It's not very good. But when they hit that evolution, they'll give you a snack, which you then feed to attract another animal, and you end up with 15 of them. The idea is super cute. I'm not sure it's worth 30 quid for what it is. Mm. There's a lot of potential in it, and the effect, while kind of simple, is genuinely cool. Yeah. The image of this, like animal projected so it looks like it's like floating in front of you is really fucking cool but they didn't think any further than you push on the flap and pretend you're petting it as a result if there was a bit more to it and if it didn't completely go to sleep when it's closed to the point where you don't feel like you're actually doing any caring for it there'd really be something to this I, I really kind of... I love what it is trying to be and do have a sort of fondness for what it is. Wouldn't recommend it. 
even if you're into virtual pets, because it's just not quite there. But I'm glad I checked it out. It's a cute little thing. So not quite a video game, but, you know, I spoke about my Tamagotchi before and it's adjacent enough. Yeah, I think, I think that's yeah. close enough. It's interesting. Basically, if you see it in a Tesco Express, it's got a little tab attached to the box so you can try it and you'll get about the same amount of joy. So if you're in a Tesco and you see a Bitsy, pull the little tab, be a bit mesmerized and impressed by the projection and then just like go about your business, you know, go get a sausage roll or whatever. You will get about the same, but it is a really nice effect. You played anything else this week, Conrad? Well, I did. Um, so I was on Game Pass on my PC, taking a look at that what was there, and there's this. Uh, uh, I guess you'd call it a survival community building game on there called Common Hood, mm. and this is one of those. Love it in theory, miserable in practice experiences. It has a, a story mode where you are a young woman whose parents have, I guess, recently passed away and they have to sell the family house and now they have nowhere to live. And they wander by the old factory that they're parents had worked in which had long ago closed like 15 years ago and you discovered that there are a bunch of people squatting in there and so you move in and start crafting basically you're crafting you 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 craft items to build more complex tools to build more complex items and you could start to build rooms in here inside this factory and and so on and so forth and develop relationships with the people and then once you get close enough to them you can assign them tasks as part of the projects that you're working on and it's all very good conceptually i like all of these ideas these are types of games i like to play the interface is bad uh just uncomfortable it has controller controls uh but the analog move look is way too sensitive to make them practical for use and there seems to be no option to change mouse sensitivity um i have as a result been playing at keyboard and mouse which is never my preference but because i guess the xbox controller is plugged in it's always giving me prompts for the controller and some things I just haven't figured out how to do with the keyboard at this point. And I'm, I've, I've been playing this a few hours now. The sensitivity of the mouse is still way higher than I like. At least my mouse in its software turned down the mouse's sensitivity in order to make it practical for use. It's fiddly. It doesn't necessarily explain itself well. Sometimes the system will show you the outline of something as if you have clicked on it, but then will show you other information as if it is not clicked on. You can't tell if something is active. Sometimes it will show you something is active and then you try to perform the action and then it just doesn't work. It needs more time in the oven. It needs... It needed some people to look at its UI and say, this has serious problems. Uh, it's not release ready. 
um, which is a shame, you know, because it's clearly a small team thing. And I really am into what they are trying to do. And I'm going to continue to struggle to play it for a while to see where some of this goes, because I I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess, because it really is. I'm, I'm unhappy as I'm doing this, but I, I'm so convinced that there is a a nugget in there that I'm going to be really glad that I struggled for it, that I'm compelled to keep going, but I never suggest anybody else do it. Um, mm. And that, it's a shame. But Common Hood, uh, it, I, I check it out, I, I guess, if, if that sounds acceptable to you. It, it's a struggle right now. Um, and maybe yeah. I will get more accustomed to its little idiosyncrasies, but I'm never going to probably think that they were well conceived or executed. So, yeah. So yeah. Neat. Yeah. Uh, anyone else played anything else this week? I soft locked myself in uh, Aliens: Dark Descent. Oh. I soft locked myself out of my office closet. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have no idea mm. what happened exactly. But the uh, the latch is no longer responding to the knob. It's not actually locked because if you lock the closet and the closet can be locked, the knob simply won't turn. No, the knob turns. It's not grabbing the latch. Mm. And, and, and I can't get anything narrow and strong enough back there that's also, you know, thin enough to get to pull the latch out manually. I'm going to have to call the landlord. Anyway, sorry. That's my shit. Tell me about your alien stuck descent <laughs> no, experience. No, no, no. Uh, you know, you gotta get it out, both in terms of unloading, you know, your frustration and whatever's in that closet that you can't literally get out. But alien stuck descent, I'm putting the finishing uh, touches on the uh, review now, and I really have been struggling as to how I'm gonna critique this or certainly give it a score at the end because i fucking love this game i was unsure last week i've fallen on the side of it's brilliant it is a brilliant xcom style aliens game with darkest dungeon um elements um as you as i've played and like upgraded marines and got into character classes and gotten to grips with the mechanics i have been glued to it um, and it's certainly a testament that after I lost hours of progress, I didn't just quit when I'd be well within my rights. Mm. But therein lies the problem. Um, as I've written in my review, it is well designed and badly made. It is mm. a wonderfully presented collection of genuinely brilliant ideas. And it is so fucking broken. The uh, menu in between missions where you're like managing the squad and researching and developing stuff. Uh, sometimes that just uh, very much like Redfall just forgets what the X button does. You just can't interact with anything and have to reload in order to interact with it again. Regularly, aliens die in their attack animation poses instead of leaving corpses to the point where a battlefield will just be littered with static xenomorphs in the middle of leaping. <laughs> Occasionally, alien bodies will leave 
Zeno samples, which is just basically a resource that you can spend. Uh, sometimes they'll do that and just can't be interacted with. So you just have to leave them there. What else is there? All sorts of physics glitches, graphics glitches, all of that. All of the good stuff. And this one bug that is known, I looked it up. It's not just me that it happened to. This is several hours into the game. I just had my first fight with the Alien Queen, which itself was really tough because this is quite a challenging game. Had to carry an NPC from the nest to an elevator and take the elevator up and, and extract the squad. Got all the way to the elevator, which itself took ages because carrying an NPC is um, really slow because the Marine doing it can only walk. Got all the way there, got in the elevator... The NPC, when we took the ride, despawned. Mm. And that was that. I needed her to progress the game. The game still thought I had her, but I couldn't extract her. She was gone, completely despawned. And by the time I worked out that I was screwed, the autosave had completely saved over, like every available file i had no recourse i looked it up and others had had to do the same i had to restart the entire game including the laborious tutorial area which there's an option in the menu to turn that off didn't seem to stop it happening and replay for hours that's not forgivable and yet i on a personal level, have done because the game is so fun. and It's such a tense, genuine survival horror as well as an RTS. Mm. Uh, I personally would, would categorize it as because so much of it is about resource management and hiding from the aliens rather than engaging them because this game, very much like Alien Isolation, makes the aliens a very real threat again. Hmm. one drone if it gets close enough can do damage at least until you've like leveled up and if it sees you the hive hunts you like converges on your last known location if enough of them like get into a scrap with you an onslaught happens and if you don't have a bunch of turrets and levels you are fucked and it is terrifying you have to just run and extract if you can. Um, mm. Even stuff like managing marine stress, I've actually found an engaging challenge instead of a fucking hassle, like I otherwise would in some games. Some of the lasting stuff is fun. At one point, a marine of mine got so badly wounded, she lost an arm, and now she just has like a robotic prosthetic that is just with her for the rest of the game. Um, like XCOM, like you can find yourself getting a bit attached to the Marines. And now that I've learned my lesson after the first time I thought the game was not going to be all that and got absolutely ruined like the actual Marines in the film. Um, <laughs> I've only lost one Marine, Milky Squirter. Oh yeah, you can rename them. The others are still around. Creedle, Crabnuts, Footpicks, Lord Pervert, Cock Yogurt. Uh, all of them, they're fine. But, but poor Milky Squirter. It's so good, but... It's so fucked. It is so... Like, there's a Focus Home Interactive level of Charming Jank, and this pushes past that mm. to the point where it's like, come on. 
At least on PC, they patched out the incessant marine dialogue where they yell one of three stock phrases every time you click a destination for them, which if you've played any sort of real-time tactic game, Mm -hmm. you know how often you do that. So constantly, hurry up, you slugs, hurry up, you slugs, move, move, hurry up, you slugs, move, 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 move. Like, shut up. It's not patched on PS5, so I'm well within my rights to slag it off in my review, um, as I would be on PC anyway. Because patches after the fact don't excuse it. But but such a conundrum. If it weren't for the bugs and the glitches, like I think I'd be looking at a Game of the Year contender. Genuinely. The only major complaint I'd have then would be the dialogue. The gameplay I have found enthralling. But at the same time, I can't in good faith give any high recommendation or, or unequivocal, like, praise or high marks to Mm. a game this fucked so undermined and it's such a shame it is it is a really good game at its heart that is like i say great design poor poorly built yeah real shame excellent game well, uh, with that done, we've got a couple of bits of newsy bits to crack through because we're rapidly approaching the deadline for Microsoft to acquire Activision Blizzard King, and as such, all hell has broken loose this week in terms of updates. Um, a judge has denied the FTC's request now for a preliminary injunction against the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal, which makes it basically guaranteed that uh, Microsoft is probably going to close the deal and acquire Activision Blizzard King somewhere between the 15th and 18th, which would be Saturday and Tuesday of this upcoming week. Um, I'm reading a thread from Stephen Tolita, which does a pretty good job of summarising what the judge's response was to the FTC's complaint and how they came to this decision. The short version is that... The judge feels that the FTC failed to make a compelling enough argument that Activision was likely to pull Call of Duty from PlayStation consoles, or that this acquisition would substantially lessen competition in, you know, on Game Pass or cloud services. Some interesting things that came out of this. The judge in this trial feels like the Switch should be counted as part of the current console generation. But the FTC successfully argued, and the judge sort of conceded this, that the Switch wasn't in the high-end console market, which meant that, at least for like these purposes, Microsoft couldn't pretend it was one of three competing players that were like, oh, I can't be a monopoly, I'm one of only three. They did have to go, you're one of, t- you're one of two that are really vying for this particular monopoly. The FTC and the court felt that PC as a gaming platform was just not relevant to the discussion, was just not a relevant part of that discussion. Yeah. Which, like, I get that, but if your argument for not including the Switch in this generation is, like, a power thing, it feels weird to not count PC. Um, The judge uh, apparently wasn't convinced by Microsoft's argument that multi-game subscriptions and cloud, you know... Microsoft tried to go, oh, uh, game subscriptions and cloud things, they're not... They're things we do, but they're not the market we're in. And the judge wasn't particularly convinced by that. Basically, it boils down to the judge felt that there was no 
conclusive evidence that Microsoft would pull Call of Duty from PlayStation consoles. They acknowledge that Microsoft pulled Bethesda's games and made them exclusive, but basically pointed to there is no example of Microsoft doing this with a multiplayer game. They have made agreements to not do so. We are willing to believe that they see it in their best interest to not pull it from PlayStation because it's multiplayer. The judge basically said, we recognise that, like, why Sony would be opposed to this, but we don't think that it's likely enough to cause a monopoly that, like, Sony has a right to stop it happening. The judge also didn't like the uh, the, the attempt to argue that 20% of PlayStation owners would just never buy a PlayStation again and buy an Xbox if, if Call of Duty went exclusive. Um, they were like, you've kind of pulled that number out your ass, which maybe, I don't think they've pulled that number out their ass. There is about 20% of people who own a PlayStation who only play Call of Duty on it, but... The, the short version, the FTC still wants to challenge this, but right now they have failed to get this stopped. So for now it's going ahead. As many people have pointed out, this probably means the deal will close. The only regulator to have tried to oppose the deal officially is the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, which has been a bit of a back and forth today. Initially, Microsoft is like, we're upset about the CMA's concerns, but, you know, we're, we're going to look at how we can, before Tuesday of next week, you know, modify this, uh, you know, how the deal goes through to, you know, address things for the CMA and try and get it so that the CMA is on board and that we don't have to pull all of our companies out of the UK or anything. To which the UK uh, market authorities are apparently like, eh, we don't like the idea that you're trying to you're trying to rush us into approving a rapid change before Tuesday. In a statement to The Verge, uh, someone from the CMA said, while merging parties don't have the opportunity to put forward new remedies once a final report has been issued, they can choose to restructure a deal, which can lead to a new merge merger investigation. Uh, Microsoft and Activision have indicated that they're considering how the transaction might be modified. The CMA is prepared to engage with them on this basis. These discussions remain at an early stage, and the nature and timing of next steps will be determined in due course. Uh, while both parties have requested a pause in Microsoft's appeal to allow these discussions to take place, the CMA decision set out in its final report still stands. So, it doesn't sound like the UK is going to back down before Tuesday, so Microsoft's going to have to work out what the fuck they do about that. So yeah, it seems like probably by Tuesday of next week, the ink will be wet and Microsoft will own Activision Blizzard King, probably. Yeah, I figured... I think we kind of like hedged our yeah. bets there from the start. Like, I celebrated the hassle. Like, that's what I yeah. was into. I like that it wasn't easy for Microsoft. I, and I, and I, I like, like that we learned a lot of shit. Yeah. Like, a lot of things, ha like, a lot of companies had to be open about shit they usually try and obfuscate. See, that's what I've enjoyed out of all this. I've enjoyed the humiliation that they've had to put themselves through at points. I've enjoyed them having to give up certain secrets, especially with how cloak and dagger the game industry likes to be, often arbitrarily. Um, I've liked all that. I've liked the... I like it when corporations don't have an easy ride. Um, yeah. I don't think many of us expected that Microsoft wouldn't eventually get its own way. Um, corporations often do. 
I genuinely didn't expect the UK to be the only place that like stood up to it, mm. and uh, th- for them to not back down on it. That was a surprise. That was genuinely the most surprising surprised. thing. When when the the MPs started going, oh, you making it look like we're not open for business as a country. That the CMA stuck to their guns, and I respect that. Oh yeah. And if nothing else, it does mean that both uh, both Microsoft and Activision Blizzard King are likely to still have difficult times ahead of them in the coming weeks because there is a a country and a fairly sizable market that has not approved this merger that they're going to have to work out what the fuck they do about that. Mm-hmm. It's going to continue to not be easy for them, but it is... And and again, the FTC is, like, uh, allegedly, like, looking to appeal this still as well, and, like, every everything is still kind of... It's going to happen inevitably, but I didn't expect the FTC to, like, push but I didn't expect push back, and I'm glad we at least saw some of it. Yeah, that, that that's but... what it comes down to. I'm glad they had to work for it. Yeah, and soon we might have news sections on this show that don't have to be regular updates on probably one of the bigger acquisitions that this industry has had. It has been a long legal, yeah. like it's it's been Podquisition's version of the OJ trial, really. <laughs> like it's been important to be on top of what's happening. Sure, because, like it it is undeniably one of the biggest you know business side things that has happened in this industry in a long sure time. Thing. And... Sure thing. But we'll we'll see what comes of it. Now, my my only other takeaway is who wants to start a betting pool on how many hours it takes between the acquisition and Kotick taking his golden parachute and getting out? Because we do know that, like, as long as he sticks around until just after the merger, he gets his he gets his biggest golden parachute. Do we reckon? Do we reckon like twenty four hours? Does he leave it a week? <laughs> uh, hard to tell. Like, from what I know. From what I've seen of him over the years, I could almost believe he's petty and small enough to where he'd want to stay out of spite. Um, yeah. Because he's yeah. so hated in gaming um, and because people for so long, like myself, have called, you know, hashtag fire Bobby Kotick. Like, that's become yeah, a hashtag, and that's something I can Did Microsoft off. want his name associated with them any longer than they have to? Uh, yeah, because his name is only mud to us. Yeah, In the business yeah. world, he's adored. He is adored because they don't fucking care that he's a petty little bitch. If, if, we, if business cared yeah. about that billionaires wouldn't be surrounded by the yes-men they are because they're all petty little bitches. He's a billionaire, he's beloved, he makes money, and whether he's hated by gamers and whether he oversaw horrific abuses at his company, it doesn't matter to these people. Plus, of course, they're going to hide behind the whole Microsoft owns us now, we've turned over a new leaf which a lot of people were instantly wanting to to buy into because people don't want to feel guilty about the products they like to buy. So yeah. Yeah. I think eventually that guy is going to take his his golden parachute and fuck off with it. But then again, Vince McMahon never got out of WWE even after he sold it. Um, These guys love the power because they've got the money. They, They live for little else. 
Mm. Will Bobby Kotick have the level of notoriety and therefore power and influence that he has anywhere else? If he stays just on the board of directors of Coke, there's not a Coca-Cola community that's going to get angry at him. Yeah. I'm not saying he will definitely stay. I'm saying I could see it happening for sheer ego reasons. I don't disagree. Uh, so a couple of other things quickly before we wrap up, and these are all, there's no there's no silly story today, unfortunately. These are all just continuing to be like, fucking video game industry. Um, a new report conducted by the Video Game History Foundation and the Software Preservation Network has revealed that 87% of classic video games released in the United States are uh, now unavailable. Mm-hmm. Yep. What they mean by that is that they are they are not in print. They are not being pro- copies of them are not being produced. Uh, the way they they explain this is only thirteen percent of video games commercially released in the U.S. You know, in this industry's history, only thirteen percent can be easily accessed today uh, in through legal means. Whether that's through a re-release on modern platforms or an officially provided emulation service, but. 87% of of this industry's history remains unavailable through easy legal means. That is a huge amount of our history that is only accessible, really, through piracy. Or, you know, or buying second-hand copies for God knows how much. Um, the study was produced, understandably, to basically go, hey, video games as an art form are kind of at risk and need better preservation, and I... It's undeniable, the numbers don't lie, there is a lot of this industry that needs proper preservation, slash, you should all be doing piracy because this this industry is making it impossible for you to actually buy the shit that makes our art form what it is. Yeah. Um, I have zero, zero qualms about saying go pirate shit in a world where 87% of a medium cannot be legally purchased. I mean, it just speaks to the long-term lack of respect for yeah. the actual medium as a creative medium. Yeah. The those running the game industry have had historically video game preservation has of course been a long running issue. I was made aware of this story this morning waking up to find a lot of people quoting me on um my views of the moral correctness of piracy. This is of course one of several reasons why it's always morally correct. Uh, because if we ain't doing the preservation, no one is. In movies, you get re-releases all the time. You get not of everything. You know, I doubt we're ever going to get the limited edition of X versus Sever that we've all been clamoring for. But books are reprinted, and yeah. it's very easy to get hold of these In things. In the United States, we have the Library of Congress that yeah. makes yeah. those things available permanently. Indeed. Um, you know, we have library programs. That's something yeah. that this article goes into that is a mm. a thing that's that's really worth noting. It, the ESA yeah. has fought for years and years and years to make it harder for libraries to have video games yes. in their uh, yeah. in their materials. And yeah. and that is them they are actively it's not just that they don't care. They are actively preventing it because it's in their interest yes. to prevent, you know, or they feel it's in their interest. The, the number of people who actually use the library system, my God, get a grip. Mm. 
This is not hurting your bottom yeah. line. If anything, it's allowing you to inculcate your product even further into the mainstream. If they hadn't fought this 20 years ago, they'd have more people buying video games today. It's... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think also, yeah. like, we are starting to see this sad trend in other media. Obviously, we had the thing with uh, Batwoman mm-hmm. uh, last yeah. year. Uh, I saw a story um, the other day about there was a, a movie put on Disney Plus that was wiped after six weeks. Oh, was that the the new Willow? No, it wasn't the new Willow, although that's another one that's been wiped. That's a, I know that's another one they've wiped yeah, really some quick. film... Cr- craters or no it was some like sci-fi film six weeks just gone there's a few like i know one of the ones was um there was a a grease uh themed tv show i think that was called something like uh, march of the pink ladies the first season i don't think it even finished airing before they pulled it off of streaming yeah like it and didn't it's... even stay up long enough for its first season to and air. the reasoning like so cynical yeah. tax Tax yeah, savings. Yeah, yeah. Like, art is being genuinely, like, for all the talk about, oh, the left are censoring games and all this, like, like that is, yeah. like, the most cynical, selfish form of censorship you could get. Like, we are going to render this piece of media. It's also... Inaccessible. Completely it's also weirdly like everything old is new again because that's how it was with broadcast Mm -hmm. right you know when we were stuck with broadcast and to a certain extent cable television too you know you you would have a show that would appear and it might disappear after four episodes i'm looking at you fox Hmm. you know profit was an incredibly interesting Fucking, you know, just because Middle America didn't get it, fuck. Anyway, I'm still bitter about a TV show that ran for four episodes in 1996, <laughs> apparently. Uh, thank God it was released on DVD. <laughs> but yeah, this is it. it we got a we, we were getting away from that. That was the whole idea, wasn't it? Wasn't that, that what they sold us? They sold oh, yeah. us that we were going to get full experiences you know, we weren't going to be just cutting things off. It would all be available to you forever. And well, but but hang on a second. It's more profitable for us in our, mm. you know, in our mind. Well, it's interesting you bring up broadcast because I've made the point for many years, and I'm not the only one, that we started this whole online streaming thing with Netflix and then yeah. like Amazon. We had a few, we had a few services. Um, and one predominant one that had so much, mm-hmm. like just so much new and old content, uh, which was eventually stripped away as companies wanted a slice of it. And the point was made by myself and others that they took this innovative form of media uh, delivery and just turned it into cable again. Right. So, yeah. yeah, your point that like everything old is new and that this echoes broadcast feeds into that like it truly is becoming cable again only way more expensive like because every bespoke service wants its own stipend uh there are no packages here um like like the old days the packages Uh, were great 
either because you're paying for stuff you don't want. If you have cable, you are paying for Fox News. I'm sorry. If you know, oh, yeah. like if you yeah, don't know that, yeah. you are paying for Fox News. If you are a cable subscriber, that's how those contracts are are done. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, in the same way that if you pay taxes, you are paying Activision Blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> like, well. oh, it's unavoidable that we're all like giving money to bad fucking yeah. people. Not that I'm saying like, oh, get cable, it don't matter. Like, I wouldn't get cable for that and many other reasons. Um, but yeah, it's. This feeds into something that I've been talking about, like, God, going back like 10, 12 years on the Jimquisition, going right back to actually secondhand games, where we talk about preservation and stuff. This idea that big businesses, big corporations are so afraid of competition and so afraid of the free market they claim to love, that the only real effort they do when it comes to making money and staying competitive is in crushing and warping and perverting any new idea, any new content delivery method to make it resemble the one they're already doing and comfortable with. And that that is what we've seen with, with media streaming. They bashed it and pulled it and tore it and broke its bones until it fit the mould of what they've always been doing. Because... So many of these businesses are just old relics clinging onto power and forcing things. We see this with like lobbyists regulating to stop innovations. Well, we saw it with, say, AT&T when they worked so hard to stop fiber from happening in, in locations across America because they didn't want to compete. They didn't want to innovate. They didn't want the free market when it didn't mean they were free to do as they pleased. Yeah. That's what this all comes down to, is old, old relics forcing the world to stay the same. And when it does change, they will smash the change to pieces until it looks like the old thing again. It's fucking sad, fucking grim. Indeed. Uh, Last couple of very quick things to get out of the way. Um... Japan is now required as a country, companies in Japan are required to uh, annually report uh, gender pay statistics within companies because Japan as a country has some problems with not putting women into management positions in companies and not paying them equally to men. And thanks to a report from Axios, we have some data on this year's uh, Nintendo uh, information about, you know, gender pay differences. Uh, And what we know is that uh, Nintendo of Japan uh, has, this year, 4.2% of its managers are women, which is basically unchanged since 2021. Um, And the average female employee is paid 72% of what an average male employee at the company is paid. Mm. Um, Now, Nintendo (laughs) will give you an explanation as to why this is, uh, their explanation, to to put it out there, is Nintendo as a company have historically held on to staff. The average tenure for a Nintendo employee is 14.3 years, and this has led to the company holding on to an aging male managerial group who are paid more than younger junior employees. Now, that may be true. That doesn't change the fact 
you have made zero progress on only 4% of your managers being women in the last two years, and women are being demonstrably paid about 20% less on average than men within your company. Like, though, th those numbers... Your explanation doesn't change those numbers. Or the fact that they haven't really changed in two years. Yep. Yep. And the last one, we've got... We've finally got an update on what's happening with Yuji Naka over his insider trading. Oh. We know about his sentence now. He has been found guilty of insider trading, and he has been... He was, uh, he was initially sentenced to two and a half years in jail, uh, with a final judgment that was going to come in July, and we now have that final judgment. He's not going to see any time in prison because no, he did a, he did a money crime. Yeah. yeah, he's been sentenced to those two and a half years in prison and four year uh, four years probation. But as long as he doesn't pre break his probation, he will avoid actually spending any time in prison. Um, he has also been fined two million yen and one hundred and seventy million yen, uh, which would be less than a million pound. He has been fined. And he won't spend any time behind jail for having done insider trading. Ah, oh, okay. He made a few hundred thousand thousand pounds insider trading and he's got to pay a million, but he doesn't have to go to prison because he did a money crime and people who who can do big, big name money crimes don't have to and go to prison. And still more punitive than we are in the United States. Yeah, at least he was he was he was fined more than the amount he Yeah, earned. he's take he's actually taking a loss on he's, this. That's He's taking a financial loss on having that's done a money That's refreshing crime. because apparently you can kill tens of thousands of people by promoting a pharmaceutical and knowing how addictive it is and lying about that and make literal billions of dollars. And then pay a few hundred million and uh, walk away yeah. without doing any time it, here. It it does seem like he will he will take a notable enough financial hit. So that's something. Uh, so there we go. We done it. We done all the things. Yeah. Good for us. Yeah. We did it, gang. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did. Yeah. Well. Yuji Naka may have been fined under a million pounds, but Laura, yeah. you have done just shy of a million things, and people need to know about them, please. Yeah, I've definitely done just shy of a million things. I, I dare you to count and prove me wrong. Um, <laughs> you can find me and everything I do on the internet at Laura K. Buzz, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills, Blue Sky, Threads, Mastodon, whatever other services I'm on by the time you hear this tomorrow. Um, just search Laura K. Buzz, you'll find me on all the things. Um, that's, that's, that's it, just Laura K. Buzz, and I got a book coming out in October about happy autistic people, so look forward to that. What about you, Conrad? Uh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky. Uh, you can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You can uh, buy anti-capitalist propaganda and licensed Jimquisition merchandise at mercenarycreative.com, where it is hot sticker summer, and everything that I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Who? Uh, James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> God damn. God um, damn. God damn it, Peter Parker. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That supports um, this show and, of course, the Jimquisition uh, series. Uh, this week's one was about Niantic. Um, a very requested video over the years. Um, didn't quite do it justice, but I, I feel I'll be returning to the topic. Really annoyed that I forgot. I even re- I remembered it, then forgot seconds later to talk about them uh, bigging up some twat from Autism Speaks. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But do check it out. Uh, by the time this goes up, there should be an Aliens Dark Descent review on thegymquisition.com, where I publish game reviews. Um, I also stream uh, whenever I can at uh, twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. Uh, my next upcoming wrestling date is not officially announced yet, but you know what? July 30th, Tidal Wrestling in Huddersfield. Um, sunny Huddersfield uh, I'll be at uh, Tidal for that uh, the next confirmed public one is August 26th in Leeds True Grit Wrestling they may have announced the match by the time this goes out but I'm not going to say it yet but it is the one that I've been bigging up biggest match of my career going to be huge uh, August 26th Leeds True Grit Wrestling um, that's about it thank you all so much for joining us once again, listening, sharing, supporting the show, all of that. Um, we'll see you again next week. Hopefully. Yeah. You'll join us. Yeah. 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 Bye. Bye. Bye.